My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 53, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Numbers 1, Deuteronomy 1, and Psalm 85. Numbers 1. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. He said, Take a census of the whole Israelite community by their clans and families, listing every man by name one by one. You and Aaron are to count according to their divisions all the men in Israel who are 20 years old or more and able to serve in the army. One man from each tribe, each of them the head of his family, is to help you. These are the names of the men who are to assist you. From Reuben, Elizer, son of Shadar. From Simeon, Shalumiel, son of Zerishadai. From Judah, Nashon, son of Aminadab. From Issachar, Nethanel, son of Zuar. From Zebulun, Eliab, son of Helon. From the sons of Joseph. From Ephraim, Elishama, son of Amahud, from Manasseh, Gamaliel, son of Paduhazur, from Benjamin, Abidan, son of Gideoni, from Dan, Ahazur, son of Aminashada, from Asher, Pagiel, son of Okran, from Gad, Elisaph, son of Duel, from Naphtali, Ahira, son of Anan. These were the men appointed from the community, the leaders of their ancestral tribes. They were the heads of the clans of Israel. Moses and Aaron took these men whose names had been specified, and they called the whole community together on the first day of the second month. The people registered their ancestry by their clans and families and the men 20 years old or more listed by name one by one, as the Lord commanded Moses. And so he counted them in the desert of Sinai. From the descendants of Reuben, the firstborn son of Israel, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name one by one, according to the records of their clans and families, the number from the tribe of Reuben was 46,500. From the descendants of Simeon, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were counted and listed by name, one by one, according to the records of their clans and families, the number for the tribe of Simeon was 59,300. From the descendants of Gad, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Gad was 45,650. From the descendants of Judah, all the men 20 years old or more were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Judah was 74,600. From the descendants of Issachar, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Issachar was 54,400. From the descendants of Zebulun, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Zebulun was 57,400. From the sons of Joseph, from the descendants of Ephraim, 
all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Ephraim was 40,500 from the descendants of Manasseh. All the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Manasseh was 32,200. From the descendants of Benjamin, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Benjamin was 35,400. From the descendants of Dan, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to their records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Dan was 62,700. From the descendants of Asher, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Asher was 41,500. From the descendants of Naphtali, all the men 20 years old or more who were able to serve in the army were listed by name, according to the records of their clans and families. The number from the tribe of Naphtali was 53,400. These were the men counted by Moses and Aaron and the 12 leaders of Israel, each one representing his family. All the Israelites, 20 years old or more, who were able to serve in Israel's army were counted according to their families. The total number was 603,550. The ancestral tribes of the Levites, however, was not counted along with the others. The Lord said to Moses, you must not count the tribe of Levi or include them in the census of other Israelites. Instead, appoint the Levites to be in charge of the tabernacle of the covenant law over all its furnishings and everything belonging to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They are to take care of it and encamp around it. Whenever the tabernacle is to move, the Levites are to take it down. And whenever the tabernacle is to be set up, the Levites shall do it. Anyone else who approaches it is to be put to, to death. The Israelites are to set up their tents by division, each of them in their own camp, under their standard. The Levites, however, are to set up their tents around the tabernacle of the covenant law so that that my wrath will not fall in the Israelite community. The Levites are to be responsible for the care of the tabernacle of the covenant law. The Israelites did all this just as the Lord commanded Moses. Deuteronomy 1. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the wilderness, east of the Jordan, that is, in the Arabah opposite Suf, between Paran and Tafel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh, Barnea by the Mount Seir Road. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord has commanded him concerning them. This was after he had defeated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, and at Edriah had defeated Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Astaroth. East of the Jordan in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring people in the Arabah and the mountains and the western foothills in the Negev and along the coast to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river of the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your father, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. At that time, I said to you, you are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. 
The Lord your God has increased your numbers so that today you are as numerous as the stars in the sky. May the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. But how can I bear your problems and your burdens and your disputes all by myself? Choose some wise, understanding, and respected men from each of your tribe, and I will set them over you. You answered me, what you propose to do is good. So I took the leading men of your tribe, wise and respected men, and appointed them to have authority over you as commanders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of the tens, and as tribe officials. And I charge your judgment at that time. Hear the disputes between your people and judge fairly, whether the case is between two Israelites or between an Israelite and a foreigner residing among you. Do not show partiality in judging. Here, both small and great alike, do not be afraid of anyone, for judgment belongs to God. Bring me any case too hard for you, and I will hear it. And at that time, I told you everything you were to do. Then, as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites, through all that vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen, and so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, You have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. Let See the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then all of you came to me and said, Let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us and bring back a report about the route we are to take in the towns we will come to. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected twelve of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, The Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say, The people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are larger, with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. Then I said to you, Do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you, as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes. And in the wilderness, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you, as a father carries his son, all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord God, who went ahead of you on your journey, in fire by night and in a cloud by day, to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, No one from the evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Because of you, the Lord became angry with me also and said, You shall not enter it either, but your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him because he will lead Israel to inherit it. And the little ones that you said would be taken captive, your children who do not yet know good from bad, they will enter the land. I will give it to them and they will take possession of it. But as for you, turn around and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. Then you replied, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight as the Lord our God commanded us. So every one of you put on his weapons, thinking it easy to go up into the hill country. But the Lord said to me, tell them, do not go up and fight because I will not be with you. You will be defeated by your enemies. So I told you, 
but you would not listen. You rebelled against the Lord's command, and in your arrogance, you marched up into the hill country. The Amorites who lived in those hills came out against you. They chased you like a swarm of bees and beat you down from Seir all the way to Hermah. You came back and wept before the Lord, but he paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you. And so you stayed in Kadesh many days, all the time you spent there. Psalm 85 You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquities of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. Okay, so Numbers and Deuteronomy are the last two books of the Torah. And the Torah is Jewish way of discussing the first five scrolls of the Bible. Many Christians and Catholic scholars refer to these same first five scrolls of the Hebrew scripture as the Pentateuch. Many believe these were written as or mostly written and master edited by Moses. However, some point to the fact that he may not have been the one to write about his death, which we will read about at the end of Deuteronomy, specifically chapter 34. So what books have we covered and we're covering now? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and now Numbers and Deuteronomy. Those are the first five scrolls of the Bible. In reviewing the one connected story so far in those books, I just want to point out that we obviously started in Genesis being introduced to God, a figure that exists outside time, space, and matter, but wove these things together to create the metaphysical world we know, nature. He also is a God that can exist within it because God can create and also transcend nature. He is also, of course, supernatural. He can create something from nothing, and he can make, bring order, life, renewal to anything that is already in existence. In Genesis, we were um, introduced to the ordered kingdom of God, and we were introduced to the garden, a special place in close proximity to God, a place that connected the Elohimian or heavenly realm to the earthly one, and a place where God introduced his first family, Adam and Eve. Then we learned about moral defection, the consequences, and God's promise in Genesis 3.15 to bring a victor through Eve at a cost. He will be wounded in the process of crushing the adversary that rebelled against him, often referred to as the serpent, the snake, the Leviathan. We read how God pursues his people in their exile to rescue them time and time again. In Exodus, it moved from a family to a nation. We were introduced to the Passover, and then in Leviticus, um, in greater detail, the Day of Atonement. We were getting clarity on the cost it will take to redeem and restore us to God. We also read about how God calls his people into a covenant, which the text often used marital language and marriage to describe the relationship. A tabernacle and a tent, a portable Garden of Eden, is designed by God and operationalized by his people. For God to come close and guide his people— 
We learned about God's desire for a kingdom of priests and what that would look like in the four roles of, of a priest. First, to put God on display. Second, to help others navigate to God for atonement. Third, to intercede, pray on behalf of others, especially when they fall and fail. Fourthly, generously and prodigally give to those in need. We learned that God's specific instructions we must implement exactly, and also how God gave us a portion of his power and authority to use to be makers, creators, and caregivers of community and the environment, innovators, able to pick our own charitable adventures. We read about the guardrails and edits to culture and the law where God was making shifts in their way of living towards the right relationship of people to one another and God. The pattern seemed to be limiting the misuse of oppressive power and lifting up those who were oppressed. Marty Solomon described how the narrative of the Bible is characterizing a tale of two competitive narratives, where one is about an empire born of self-pleasure and self-righteousness. This is a narrative of taking blessings, and it's surrounded by fear and distrust. It's a desert of scarcity, a bewildering wilderness of loss or numbing, losing oneself in comfort, leisure, fame, security, and self-preservation. Against this narrative is the other, a kingdom of shalom, born of both yielded trust and a partnered fellowship of Yahweh, who stated to Moses when Moses was afraid to step into his role, I am and I will be with you. And at the same time, we have a partnered followership and blessing where we are also called to be a blessing, living into our role, a type of leadership that stepped into God's given portion of power and authority for ruling, filling, subduing, creation and community care, putting God on display and so much more. Because I teach leadership, something I've been reminded of recently is that servant leadership is not enough. Servant leadership, absent of Jesus Christ, who will be introduced to in the New Testament, it has no anchor, meaning the serving is defined by the leader or the zeitgeist of the day. It becomes centered on how the serving makes us feel or how the serving makes us look or what the serving results in, like an outcome we're hoping to achieve. But Christ-centered leadership, Christ-centered servant leadership is qualified by yielding to God, to Scripture in our position of authority and influence. So God directs the service in our leadership. The narrative of shalom is not about force, but invitation. It's about a required and a stirring of the heart sacrifice. It's a call to trust and being a blessing with the blessings that we we are and that we have. Zooming in now, Numbers, which comes after Exodus and Leviticus, is where Marty Solomon describes the honeymoon trip to the desert, the wilderness, where the two, God and his people, are becoming one, or they're supposed to if the people do not rebel. I see the plan like an onboarding strategy. It's the training at your organization after you've accepted the invitation and filled out the paperwork stating that you want to represent and work for this brand. In fact, you love the leader so much, you want to be a part of the leadership suite of this organization indefinitely. But you're not exactly sure of all the hows. Yet, we'll find as we read, the people complain and rebel, taking a toll on the whole mission. While it's easy to point fingers, I think it's important to reflect on how. How I, how we react when God is making edits and training us in our lives. Are we asking God, what can I learn in this? How can I put you on display and contribute to your kingdom with who I am and where I am right now? Let's zoom out for a quick minute to understand the book of Numbers as a whole. Dr. Tim Mackey describes how the book of Numbers begins about one year after Mount Sinai. The people of Israel were headed out into the wilderness on their way to the promised land, the place God promised Abraham. 
Remember, with their portable Garden of Eden, the tabernacle, rhythm, laws, Dr. Mackey describes numbers in three literary blocks where the first 10 chapters are the people still at Mount Sinai preparing to go. Then they begin traveling in chapters 10 and 12, and then chapters 13 to 19, they're in the wilderness of Paran. Then they'll travel again in chapters 20 to 21 and arrive at the plains of Moab just across from the promised land in chapters 22 to 36. Note, the trip should take about two weeks geographically distance speaking, but we'll learn it takes 40 years with quite a bit of stop and start, the effect of rebellion and the ongoing need for transformation. Zooming in, we began by reading Numbers 1 today. This is the first chapter of four about the census, counting of people and numbers. It's where the book of Numbers gets its name. It's an ordering of the community where the tabernacle, Yahweh God, is at the center. It's also where the Levitical tribe, the priest's responsibilities, are reinforced to steward and navigate and help others navigate, and they're positioned as a tribe around the tabernacle in the center. That's so interesting considering how in my part of the world, it seems like the commercial city center is at the center of ordered society. Hmm. I think there is a greater responsibility on those that are living in the story, in the narrative of Shalom, instead of the narrative of the empire, to put Yahweh God at the center of our lives. It might be worth it to take a census of our own lives. Perhaps that can be part of our weekend reflection challenge this week. Zooming out to understand the book of Deuteronomy as a whole, well... Deuteronomy starts after Numbers, which we are simultaneously reading, and so it starts after, dare I say, quite a disastrous road trip where the last generation was disqualified from entering the Promised Land. And as Dr. Mackey describes, Deuteronomy starts with Moses explaining the Torah, so that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, to the new generation. They're learning the same scripture just as we are now. It's incredible. Mind you, theirs was in Hebrew and probably given live in oral story format, not an English-speaking podcast. But Dr. Mackey describes the book of Deuteronomy as a series of speeches by Moses calling on the people to be faithful in the covenant and God. We're learning more and we're going to be learning about another generation, and I just can't wait to keep going. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.